You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dad app. Uh, sorry about yesterday, not getting the podcast out. It's just one of those things. Um, also, sorry I let an F word slip in the other uh, Packernet Podcast. I just need to stop putting Pat, McA- uh, Pat McAfee on the show. Because they can't say five words without dropping one of those, and then I let it all run out, and then I f- start talking about it instantly, and I forget I have to go all the way back and find it and edit it, and it takes forever, and blah, blah, blah. So I just need to stop putting him on here. But as far as the good news goes, there really isn't any new Aaron Rodgers news, and I think we can thank Tom Brady for that. Um, Tom Brady officially retired, officially, we'll put that in quotes, uh, retired from the NFL, Here is uh, what this thing has to say. Brady in a video statement acknowledges 2022 agonizing back and forth on whether to leave the game and said there would be none of that this time around. Brady, 45, leaves the NFL as the greatest quarterback to ever play with seven Super Bowls, six with the Patriots and one with the Bucs. He leaves the league with a plethora of records, including passing touchdowns, blah, 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 blah. The Wicked Witch is gone. That's all I know. Um... The only thing that kind of sucks is it's like I wanted him out of the league so bad because all they did was dominate. And now it's kind of like he's not that good anymore, and the Bucks have clearly been over the hill. I mean, they're still a decent team, but they're not going to be able to get anywhere anymore. So now there's all these new, like, dominant teams. There's like five Patriot teams now, and it's like, dang it. But either way, Brady's gone. I'm glad he's gone. I'm tired of it. I like the guy. He seems like a good dude. I'm sure he's going to have a great life. Hopefully he can patch things up with the family now that football's done, et cetera, et cetera. I wish him the best. I'm glad he's gone. With that said, um, he retired on February 1st. Last year, he retired on February 1st before deciding he would come back uh, sometime later. So we'll see. The general sentiment is that this is different and um, I think that makes sense considering how horrible this last season went and I don't think Similar to with Rodgers, you know, there's no point coming back unless you think you can win it. I don't think he looks at the Bucks and thinks that they are going to be able to do it. I don't think he could look at himself and say that I think I can do it or anything. So um, I do think it makes sense. Somebody had mentioned that there was never really any 
desire to go anywhere else. In other words, Tom Brady was either going to retire or go back to the Bucks. That was the general sentiment. Um, although similar again to Rogers, maybe what makes the most sense if he were to come back would be to go somewhere else. Because again, you want to go where you have the best chance to win. And I don't know that the Bucks give him the best chance to win similar to with Rogers. I, I just don't think the Packers are necessarily positioned right now, unless everything goes perfectly. The defense gets figured out with the same defensive coordinator and uh, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs become studs. And maybe we add one more stud and then who knows. But um, anyways, still doesn't work from the Packers perspective. That is the big news of the day. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on with the coaches and whatnot. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is officially the head coach of the Houston Texans, which makes two out of the last three years now. Uh, defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers has gotten a job, which makes sense because they are just a dominant unit. Um, I always get skeptical when that stuff happens. You start to wonder, if the first guy was the guy that made the defense so good, then why did the second guy come in and make the defense just as good? And then if he leaves, is it still going to be just as good? In other words, is it really the coaches? Is it just a complete coincidence that these guys, these elite coaches that should be head coaches, just keep coming in here and making this thing great? Or is it maybe not entirely the coaches? Same thing with, uh, you know, the Shanahan offensive tree or the McVay offensive tree or any of that stuff. At some point, it's like, it's weird because it doesn't seem to... uh, doesn't seem to be getting worse as people leave. In fact, I think it got better under D'Amico Ryans. And I know there's more to it than just, well, it's a good defense. But at the same time, let's be completely honest. If the defense sucked, he wouldn't be a head coach. And if, you know, because the defense is great, that's why, you know, yeah, he's probably a good leader and all that stuff too. But you don't see coaches getting poached from places where teams suck. So it is about that. So is the 49ers defensive coordinator position the most coveted position in football because it's just a pipeline to a head coaching job? All you got to do is go in there, keep the machine rolling, and you're going to be the next head coach or what? Just wondering. Uh, The other big news, which makes me chuckle, the Denver Broncos uh, went all in to go get Sean Payton. Apparently, the Denver Broncos, who gave away absolutely everything, they gave away players, they gave away draft capital, they gave away a ton of money, to go out and get a superstar quarterback who came there and was garbage. They've now done it again. Broncos acquired coach Sean Payton from the Saints in exchange for a first and second round pick, and I'm sure they're paying him a stupid amount of money. And so I think this is what they called chasing good money after bad, I think is the phrase. We're taking our resources that we have that are good resources, first and second round picks and uh, cash and cap and all that stuff, and we're going to use all these things to try to fix the bad stuff. And what happens, you usually end up just tarnishing the good money and making the good money bad. Now, the thought process here is we need to make this first investment a good investment. And we're going to do everything we can. So we're going to go out and get the guy that supposedly made Drew Brees great, which I don't think has anything to do with anything. But, you know, again, he's a great coach and we need an experienced guy that can make this thing work. And look, if it works, then we're back on this train of, you know, Denver could be this great powerhouse, blah, blah, blah. But more than likely, you just gave away draft capital for a different coach to come in and you're not going to succeed with. So it makes me chuckle. It also makes me a little sad, but we'll see how it goes, I guess. Sad because it's just, it's such a horrible way for a legendary coach and a legendary quarterback to go down (laughs) and for the franchise to just be so dumb. And then also, Frank Reich has returned to Carolina. He actually played for the, I think he was their first quarterback, actually. Uh, played for the Carolina Panthers. 
So he will go back to uh, them. He will be their head coach. There's a bunch of other coaching switches, changes, things going on. Surprisingly, the Packers are apparently interested in none of that. Um, There's been no whispers that I've been made aware of. And I think that would have happened by now. So I don't think any of that's going to happen for the Pack. Um, I did already briefly mention it, but the uh, NFL did announce the salary cap increase, $224.8 million, which of course is good. And then as far as the Pat McAfee show, as I said, no real big news. Uh, I didn't really think there was anything super interesting as far as the conversations go. The only thing that came up um, that has sparked a little bit, and even when I heard it kind of perked my ears up a touch, was when Rogers said, it sounds like the Packers are already having talks, with, which is interesting. Now, the first question I have is, is he just buying into all the fake rumors from Schefter and everything else, which aren't real? And then not talking to the Green Bay Packers about it, like, you know, hey, what's going on? Which is like, let's be honest, it's like middle school girl BS. Like, you know, if you have an issue, let's have a conversation. Talk to Brian Gutekunst and, you know, figure it out. Or does he have some kind of inside information himself? Because although it seems like common sense that they would have some conversations with other teams, I don't think I've heard anything in terms of that being an actual real concrete thing. So either he's just going based off of rumors, or he does have some inside information that none of us have. But again, you know, the whole which is interesting thing, it just sounds like he just sounds annoyed, you know? Like, he's he's always concerned about not feeling valued enough, and, you know, it seems like a guy that's, you know, like, sensitive. Like, oh, that's how you're going to do me? Like, you're going to treat me like that after all this? Like, how dare you? He's very concerned about how himself and other players are treated by the organization, and it just seems like he feels this is a slight, which, of course, they've taken great strides to work together and all that, and he's felt good about it. And now it's like, oh, so after all that, you're going to talk behind my back kind of thing? It's like, come on, man. First of all, if they are having conversations, duh. It's not interesting. It's common sense. But before we even get there, why don't you confirm or deny it if you have a problem with it? Because if you're just going off of Schefter tweets, which he says he's got a guy that like keeps him up to date on all the Rogers drama or something, I don't really know how that works, but I'm sure he's relaying all this information that all of us have seen, and everybody on Twitter, of course, and by the way, this is probably why Rogers is ticked off, because all the people on Twitter who don't know how to read are like, oh, the Packers are talking to the Jets, and they've made offers, which nobody has said. Now Rodgers is getting that fake information and is like, oh, you talk behind my back, huh? It's like, you know what? This stupid middle school drama garbage. Can we just stop? So stupid. What do you mean, which is interesting? Like, what, whatever, man. I, I, I just make a decision, all right? And that's the other thing. He's talking about, like, I don't want to handcuff the team. I know they got decisions to make. And while they're trying to do due diligence, while being respectful of you taking your time, it's like, well, how dare you? Well, what, what, I'm not allowed to do anything while you make your decision? Like, I can't prepare and plan for this team's future? I have to just sit here and get, like, a last minute, like, now we got to spring into action? Now we're allowed to look into these things and make phone calls and try to make plans? Because we need to make multiple plans, plans for if he comes, plans for if he retires, plans for if he wants to come back to Green Bay, and plan. we got to make three different sets of plans, and you're mad that we're actually working through that so that we're prepared for when you make your decision. How about this? Shut up. Go golfing and mind your own freaking business and then tell us what your decision is and we'll be prepared because that's what we're doing while you're golfing and saying, I'm not really thinking about it. We're over here working and planning and trying to make the Green Bay Packers work. 
petty stupidity. But anyways, in regard to the Aaron Rodgers trade possibilities, um, the other thing that is interesting is the more quarterbacks that flood the market, the less value that Aaron Rodgers has. With Tom Brady retiring, uh, the news that Lamar Jackson is expected to be franchise-tagged by Baltimore, and now the Raiders are saying they haven't even given him permission to seek a trade, it seems to me that it's all eyes on Aaron Rodgers if he decides to come back. And I have to assume there would be a massive bidding war because the options are rapidly running out for teams that really want a veteran quarterback. It also means Rodgers has more options to where he wants to go. Because if he waits too long and suddenly Derek Carr takes his job number one and some other, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or something gets job number two, then all of a sudden Rodgers is like, well, I don't want to go to any of these other places. Those are my two options. I want to go to the Jets, and after that I want to go to the Raiders, which is a rumor that somebody had come out with I don't know the validity of, but that's plan A and plan B. So all the available quarterbacks, or most of them, the big-name ones, are uh, not on the market yet. And that includes Rodgers. But the point is, if he comes back, he says, I want to come back, but I think it's time to move on, that put positions us in a fantastic spot to command a ton and send him wherever he wants to go. All right, I want to uh, play something. And, and I don't really like generally going back and just playing this what-if game and, and, you know, going back and blaming the team for why didn't you do, you should have done this, we said so. But I do think it's an interesting thought experiment. And I want to play this because this is where it came from. This is the herd with Colin Coward. This is what he had to say in terms of Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers and what we should have done over these last several weeks. I've said this um, about Aaron. This is not a sudden retirement. They've kind of built this puppy up. They're ready in that division to win. I would rip the Band-Aid off. Not necessarily bad for either. I think both could flourish. Where are you standing on this? I totally agree. And if you remember, and I got a lot criticized for this heavily for when I was on your show and on my show the last five weeks of the season, saying that Green Bay was being reckless and short-sighted by not sitting Aaron and playing Jordan Love. And everyone's like, oh, no, they have a chance, but they, they didn't. And you can say, oh, what do you mean, Nick, if they, would have, yeah, if they would have won their final game, what? They would have gotten the opportunity to go to San Francisco and get their teeth kicked in. Yeah. Everything felt perfectly for them. They still didn't even make the playoffs. This decision is a lot easier if they had played Jordan Love for a month. And if he's awesome, then it's a no-brainer. And if he's terrible, then maybe you do have to put up with Aaron's, uh, call it, as you put it, eccentricity. Pardon yeah, me. Yeah. However, given that you that Jordan loves something of an unknown and you know what Aaron is for good and for bad, I totally agree with you, Colin. If the Jets will give you the 13th pick of the draft, do it. You send that trade in immediately. Yeah. All right, so the the point of playing that is although I understand and I'm I'm not even trying to necessarily go back and say, see, we should have played Jordan Love. I, I don't know that that was the right thing to do. It was good to see the team rally. It was good to see the offense kind of pick up, at least for a little while before they fell back off. It was great to see the defense really start to rally and, and the team start to become something that you hope for and gives you hope for the future. But I do want to point out how significantly different this period of time would be had we had a, a month or more to look at Jordan Love. Can you imagine if Jordan Love came in and was a very good quarterback for us down the stretch? 
how different we'd be looking at this. First of all, there would be a lot more people on board with, maybe it's time to rip the Band-Aid off with Aaron Rodgers. That's number one. It wouldn't even be a question. You cannot bring him back. Number two, all of our focus would be on where were the deficiencies? Was Jordan Love under too much duress? We need to build an offense. We need to help him with offensive line or wide receiver or tight end or whatever it is. We'd be focused on specifically the, the Jordan Love offense and how it operated and how it didn't operate. And we'd have a much clearer picture of where we need to go moving forward. And if the offense was seemingly clicking just fine, then maybe we'd be focused more on defense. But we would have a much clearer picture of where we need to go with Jordan Love. We would have clarity. What if Jordan Love came in and was terrible? Well, we'd be having a bunch of different conversations. Number one, we need to have Rodgers back for another year or I guess two as, a, as the, uh, I think the ringer posted that article, 3013 or something about how he, if he comes back for a year, it's a two-year commitment. I don't know how that works exactly, but whatever. I don't think Rodgers is bound by those rules. Just means we're screwed if he retires next year. But you have that conversation, or at the very least, we need to trade Aaron Rodgers. Please come back so we can trade you because we need the capital to move up and go get a quarterback. Possibly, you know, I mean, you, you can't trade Rodgers and Love and hope that you get enough to move up, but maybe, I don't know. Or do we have the conversation about let's give him another full year, do a post-June 1 trade with Rodgers, build up the capital for next year, have a garbage year this year, so we have two really good picks, hopefully, although maybe the Jets end up making the playoffs or something, I don't know, but we still have an early pick from the Packers, maybe top 10-ish, and then a you know 20th, 21st overall pick with the Jets. And hope that you can package that for a hopefully stout quarterback class next year. But again, what we would have is clarity. And that's the point. We have no clarity. We don't know what happens if Rodgers comes back. We don't know what happens if Love is our quarterback. We don't know what to do if Love is our quarterback because we don't know anything about him or about the offense with him or any of this stuff. We don't know anything. We have no clarity whatsoever. And we're sitting here trying to figure out how to make Aaron Rodgers' team better. Even if Aaron Rodgers comes back, why are we building a team for the future around Aaron Rodgers? Why are we getting wide receivers and tight ends and everything? that? And I understand just getting good players generally is going to be a good thing, but why are we building things in terms of here's what Aaron Rodgers needs? He's not going to be here. Even if he comes back, this is not a long-term play. We need to figure out what the team is moving forward, and Aaron Rodgers is not a part of our plans moving forward. And I feel like this is nothing but a hindrance. Now, again, if we had a legit chance for a Super Bowl, fine. This is why I bought in on all this BS with these terrible contracts that have destroyed everything, and even Aaron Rodgers' horrific contract that he signed. Because you know what? He's got back-to-back MVPs, and you believe that we really have a chance, and just come on, one more chance, one more chance. But after watching this year, there is no chance. We need to rebuild this thing in a new way, in a new direction, and we need to have a clear focus of what that is. And there's very obviously no clear focus. We don't even know who our quarterback is, nor do we know how to build around it. We're going to keep the same defensive coordinator, so at least we have a a, a vision of what needs to happen there. Not that I necessarily agree with it, but it is what it is. They look good down the stretch. Let's just see. Maybe we need you know a little bit more as far as defensive tackle, edge, another edge guy. Clearly need some safeties. I don't know. They can figure it out, but at least they have a clear vision. We don't have a vision for this team. And I do think that there's a difference between building a team for the future around Aaron Rodgers, which is stupid, and building a team around Jordan Love. It's the difference between the Chiefs and the Eagles, in my opinion. They're very different teams who have very different needs and operate with different strengths and different weaknesses. Why are we building to be like the Chiefs 
if in one, two years, we're going to end up being the Eagles. We've built in the wrong direction. And if we try to build around love, we don't know how to do that. You look at, for example, the Chicago Bears and how much they had to pivot when they realized that their quarterback is an elite runner of the football. Their offensive line suddenly became a powerhouse running offense. I mean, they, they were just road graders. They were not great pass blockers, and, and Justin Fields sucked as a passer. So what did they do? They had to pivot. They didn't realize, even knowing this team and knowing Justin Fields, they tried to build in one direction to be sort of like the Packers because that's what the offensive coordinator was. And credit to him, he pivoted and he built around, hey, look, we got these road grading offensive linemen. We got a really good running back and we have a quarterback that's that's an elite runner. How do we build this to be more efficient for the guys we have? And even though the off, the, the team in general sucked, they their offense actually did per start producing. And how do they do that? Well, we're just not going to pass very often and we're going to run the ball like crazy and we're going to scare the defense to death about our ability to run. And then we're going to start throwing the ball over their head with play action. And, and that's going to be our offense. But they had to pivot to build specific around Justin Fields and the offensive line and the fact that they have Cole Komet and the fact that their number one wide receiver went from being a borderline top 10 to a borderline garbage player. Everything changed. Everything was different and they had to build around what they have. And we don't know what we have right now. We don't know anything about Dobbs, about Watson. We don't know anything about Jordan Love at all. And this, well, of course we do. We've seen him for bull crap. The Bears didn't know what they had in Justin Fields in year three. Things change. You have to actually do it. You have to put it in motion to see what it looks like to have a live game with these five offensive linemen, this quarterback, these wide receivers, these tight ends, these running backs. Try to run it and then find your strengths and your weaknesses and revamp your offense around that. And we have no clear vision for what that's going to look like in the future, whether that's Jordan Love or not. If it's Jordan Love, what does it look like? We don't know. We have no idea. All we know is how Aaron Rodgers operates and our offense is built around Aaron Rodgers. And that makes no sense to me because that's not our future. So again, I'm not necessarily saying that it was the wrong decision. We, we clearly had a chance and who knows if that offense could have maybe stayed up a little bit as well as that defense was playing. Maybe we could have had a shot. I think they shocked all of us. And I started to regret the fact that I said, shut it down and play love because look at this, but it does put us in a very tough position. No matter what, we're in a tough spot. If, if Rodgers leaves, we got a guy that we don't know that well. We've seen very limited action from him because practice is not the same as a live game. That's why every year in the preseason, guys tear it up, and I have to come on this podcast and say, yeah, the preseason isn't the regular season. And preseason is a heck of a lot. You learn a lot more from the preseason than, than practice. Practice, you learn nothing. Preseason, you learn a little bit, but it's not going to translate to the regular season. These are different things. You don't have these vanilla defenses and vanilla offenses. You got stuff getting thrown at you. It's why Jordan Love got destroyed against the Kansas City Chiefs. They blitzed him nonstop. He was under duress. He had like one second to throw that ball. By the way, may I remind you, he was about four inches away from being a hero in that game, leading back-to-back game-winning drives or back-to-back touchdown drives, which would have been a game-winning score, but he underthrew it by like inches and it ended up getting picked off instead of a touchdown. It was two drives all the way down the field. So we remember that as he was garbage in that Chiefs game, but he was, you know, let's call it a foot away from being an absolute hero and the the entire narrative being shifted about Jordan Love. But that's the position we're in, and we're kind of just going blind right now. We don't know if Aaron Rodgers is coming back. If, If he's coming back, what is the right thing to do? 
Again, for the most part, we're just grabbing good players and hope that it pans out. And players that that'll work no matter how the offense operates. Like, you know, if you get a guy like uh, Michael Mayer, he's a do everything guy. He he is a receiver. He is a blocker. And we're going to need both. Same with uh, Darnell Washington. Focus on the do everything guys that that are good no matter, you know, what, that are not super scheme specific and just hope for the best. But the lack of clarity is really scary, especially for us. I mean, we, we're always, we're always so, it gets so boring to be a Packer fan, especially under the Ted Thompson era, because nothing really changed, which wasn't a bad thing because we were a good team almost every year, but it was just boring, right? We don't really get a bunch of new guys because we spend kind of a lot. And so we're, we're always at about like 10 million. So we can spend a little bit on, on some lower level guys here and there who are going to be here for a year or two. And then they go and there's a little bit of turnover with some of our good guys leaving, but we drafted a good guy. So we'll be fine. Right now, it's like we, we are falling rapidly into irrelevance. And you look at it and just, you know, you, you want to, I think this is where a lot of the, the Rogers supporters who want them to come back are, are they're, they're, of the belief that we don't need to sink into obscurity. We can still be a top team. We can still be at the top. And I'm looking at it going, I, I don't think so. I don't think we reached the level of the Chiefs or the Bills or the Eagles. I think we got some work to do. And I think we just need to start doing that work. You know, when you have such a massive dead cap hit because of all the contracts and everything else, I mean, it's just too weighty. And we got to clean this up. And we got to get back to the fundamentals of draft and develop. And, you know, yeah, it sucks. But it is what it is. I mean, you know Rodgers has to go sometime, right? We can't do this forever. So what are we going to do? When are we going to accept it? When are we going to move on? When are we going to try to build in that new direction? I don't like it. I don't like that when you look out at the fact that nobody cares about you, it kind of makes sense. You know, like, hey, hey, what about us? It's like, what about you? Your team's not that good. You didn't even make the playoffs. It's like, well, no, yeah, that's true. And there is no clear vision to like, well, yeah, because so-and-so got hurt. But when he comes back, we're going to be, no, nobody was hurt. Rashawn was hurt, but the defense wasn't even the problem. The offense was the problem. Who do we lose on offense that's coming back this year? We had Bakhtiari. We had Elton Jenkins back. The offensive line was there. Rodgers was there. The wide receivers were there. The tight ends were there. The running backs were there. There were no injuries. We didn't lose because of injuries. It wasn't special teams. It wasn't defense. It was the offense. And we had everybody healthy. And bringing all of those guys back again, I don't see what that helps. We need a clear direction. That's what I'm saying. Um, I've got another video queued up here from the Dan Patrick show. We're going to get to that after the break. And then also the big thing that I wanted to do, I asked a question on Twitter. Um, I guess it's a couple days now about the Green Bay Packers GM, Brian Gutekunst, and how good of a drafter do you think he is? I went and ran some numbers on it. This is not an exact science, but I wanted to try to get somewhat of a clear vision of not just how he's doing, but how he stacks up to the rest of the league and so I have numbers. They're all different numbers. And so there's some good, some not so good. Um, I can't get him top three. I can't get him bottom three. But he's, you know, better or worse, depending on what metric you're looking at and how you want to splice it up. And I'm sure there are other different ways you can do it. But I wanted to give a little bit of insight into that. So uh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore dad. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. It would help me tremendously. I know times are tough, but if you got it, it would be greatly appreciated. Also, please consider giving to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find them at FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones 
by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So I want to start with this because mostly just because I'm petty. Um, This is, by the way, the Dan Patrick show is where Peter King went on the show and said, I never said anything. I don't know what you're talking about. And the way he phrases this basically, and, and it's a little frustrating because Albert Breer is the guest and Albert Breer does not answer the question at all. He just kind of skirts around and gives his own thoughts on things. But I, I just I just want to play this so that we're all on the same page that um, Dan Pratt- Patrick is getting the exact same impression about all this insider information that I'm getting. The Aaron Rodgers report that I'll put in quotations here, um, it almost now feels like it's fact that the Packers want to move on from him when Adam Schefter is taking collective opinions around the league, which doesn't sound like those are sources here. Help me understand the Rodgers situation, how it's being reported, and where the Packers and Rodgers stand on this. So I'm not going to play the whole thing. Um, I will play a little clip at the end, but the bottom line is Albert Breer doesn't really address that part. But he goes on to say, here's what I think. And he's very clear about, I don't know, but I think, I think, I think, I think, I think. And says essentially what we know, that that the trade makes more sense both for Rodgers and for the Packers this year than it ever has. But again, the, the, Dan Patrick's saying the same thing. At this point, where there's smoke, there's fire, it seems like there's something here. But Schefter's insight doesn't seem like insight at all. It's an accumulation of opinions from around the league, and that's exactly what it is. But anyways, again, Albert Breer kind of gives the same opinion. Kind of feels like something's going to happen, but who knows? But here is the other, and, and again, this is entirely opinion. This is not insight. This is not fact. However, I want to start accumulating this side of the things as well because we spend so much time talking about Rodgers and not about our new potential quarterback of the future, which we need to be talking more about in Jordan Love. Here is how this ended when uh, Dan Patrick was talking about maybe we need to rip the Band-Aid off and move on or whatever. Here's what Albert Breer added to the conversation. Damn, Dan, the one thing I would mention, I think that they feel better about a lot better about Jordan Love today than they felt like a year ago. You know what I mean? Like, Why? So I think that's, that's what makes it different. Why? I think he's made real progress this year. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, okay. and I'm not saying he's going to be Aaron Rodgers in 2008, but I do think, like, there was, I think there was some genuine concern over where Jen, Jordan Love was a year ago at this point. I think they feel a little bit better about him now. Okay. So, again, that that is largely a useless report because it's based on his own opinion. However, 
it is worth noting that the opinions around the league, from people in the league, seem to be that there has been some major improvements from Jordan Love, and that's important. These are things that you can see tangibly. Now, the Packers' opinion, whatever it was last year, whatever it is this year, we don't know. Maybe they loved him this entire time. Maybe they still don't like him. I don't know. But when you have people all around the league looking at the situation, the same people who said that this was a horrible draft pick and what a stupid thing to do and all that stuff, with no real reason to to be forced to come around to this, coming out and saying, I kind of think the Packers might be a little bit higher on him this year because they all watched what happened with Jordan Love and they've all talked to people who've watched what happened to Jordan Love and the consensus conversations that are happening around the league is this guy took some steps. But all right, let's see if we can get to the bottom of this draft thing because I think one of the things that annoys me about the draft conversation is everybody likes to just throw out a couple things, whether it's positive or negative. How could you say he's a bad drafter? We got Rashawn Gary, we got uh, Elton Jenkins, we got this guy. How could you say he's a good drafter? Look at Jace when he could have had McLaurin. Terry, yeah, McLaurin. Not McLaren, that's a car. Um, And we're just throwing out random individual pieces saying he did this, he should have did this, therefore he's obviously terrible. What you have to do is somehow, and again, the reason I say this isn't an exact science is because any way you slice this, it's going to be wrong. And if you think you've got a perfect solution, tell me and I will tell you why it's wrong. But what you have to somehow do, first of all, is get a, first of all, comparison to the other teams, right? Maybe he's terrible, but what if everyone else is equally or lesser or more terrible? So saying he did this, he should have done this, we're, we're just kind of floating around out there. We're, we're creating this general value of this is, this is what he's done, and I think it should have been better, or it definitely could have been worse, but it's just floating out there in the ether, not giving us any concrete anything. The other thing you have to establish is to be a good talent evaluator, you, you, everybody's got a different situation. So like I said, the Jets are all praised for what a great job that they did, despite the fact that the only good players they had are all the players that they picked prior to the Packers' first pick. So there needs to be some element of how good of a job did you do compared to expectations for that particular pick. So for the second overall pick, we need a baseline of how good that player is. And then how close did you get to that baseline? So I went back to the year 2000, and I looked at every single draft pick. And um, there's definitely different ways that you can do this, but the easiest way, because it's already on here, is that there's a thing that uh, Pro Football Reference has called weighted AV, which is the value that you've brought as a football player throughout your entire career. Now, part of the problem is we're going over a four-year span here. Let's see, 19, 20, 21, yeah, four-year span. And so only, what, two of these classes have done the three years. One of the classes has only done two, and one has only got their rookie years. But the point is, that's true of every team. So it's still equal. And so you don't really expect them to fully match the entire AV. A player that's retired has done more in their career than a rookie will do. So it's not fair. However, the distance between that is going to be equal. So if you're guys are 50% of the way there compared to somebody who's 30% of the way there. Your guys have done a better job overall, but I still want to know, generally speaking, if you, you know, if you've, let's say on average, the, the 200th pick has a, a, a six AV in their entire career. And we got a guy that's been a starter for however long, and he's already at a seven. So we're at a hundred and some odd percent already. Does any of this make any sense? 
but but that's that's the the bottom line. So I created a baseline for every single pick, for pick one, two, three, four, all the way down, and said, here is the average expectation of this pick. How good has your pick performed? And then you get a value. And it's going to be probably less than 100%, again, because these guys have not completed entire careers. That's fine, because again, as long as it's equal for everyone. And so rather than a cumulative value, which wouldn't make any sense, because some teams have a lot more picks, and some teams have a lot higher picks, which have better players... I created a, a value that is what percentage there, there is a, there is an expectation for everyone. And that is 100%. Did you meet this or exceed this or whatever? This is your, how close to your baseline did you get? And so when I did that, the Green Bay Packers, and again, this isn't necessarily GM versus GM. I've tried to do that in the past. It's way too complicated because GMs come and go. We're just looking at teams in a time span. And in this case, it's the time span that Brian Gutekunst has been here. I have the Green Bay Packers as ninth. The number one team, which surprised me a lot, although they've certainly had some better drafts. And and part of the problem that I have with this is a lot of the really good picks come in the later round, which is fair, but also maybe not what you're looking for because you want to see, well, how much value have you brought to your team? And so again, it's, it's tough because if you just look at raw value, then you're looking at cumulative. And the problem with cumulative is that some teams, every team is disproportionate in terms of what they're being gifted. But the Kansas City Chiefs were number one. San Francisco was number two. Then Buffalo. So not surprisingly, these are the top teams, are the teams that have drafted the best. That is until you get to Washington. Then Tampa, another top team. Then Miami, who is now bursting onto the scene. Then Dallas, who's been in the playoffs for I don't know how long. Then the Rams, which, again, they're going to get credit for talent evaluation. The problem is they're throwing away all their picks. Then it's the Packers after that. So they're not a top three or a top five team, but it is a top 10 team. And and the other positive news is it seems like this particular draft class is going to surpass a lot of things. Now, here's where it also gets a little bit fun, because you can look at each individual pick and find out which the best picks are. Could you take a wild guess what the best Packers pick is? And I'll give you a hint. Again, this is all weighted. How good are you compared to your expectations? And this is where I think a lot of people go wrong. I got into an argument, and I know MVS was drafted prior to Gutekunst, but Mr. Negative, who I would talk to, was always talking about how MVS is trash and what a stupid pick it was. Not when you take into account where he was drafted. Do you know who is the fourth highest value out of, I can't even tell you how many picks this is. Uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of picks. We're talking four years of uh draft picks across 32 teams over 270 some odd total picks um it's john runyon john runyon is the fourth best pick he already is where is the number here 300 percent better than the average person for that pick the average av which is you know again the the value you've provided to the nfl in your entire career is six He's already at 18. That's the fourth best pick in the last four years in terms of value over expectation. Above him is Dennis Daly, tackle for the Carolina Panthers. Above him is Dre Greenlaw, linebacker for San Francisco. The number one pick, Darius Slayton, who is a uh, fifth-round pick for the New York Giants. Um, Average AV for his pick is 5.2, and he's already at 20. The lowest picks are a little bit, for the Green Bay Packers, that is, are a little bit trickier 
because there are some zeros here for guys that have not played. Sean Ryan is on track to be the worst pick if he doesn't get on the field. As far as guys that have played, um, well, as of right now, it's actually Devontae Wyatt because he has not produced very much. But I have no question, no doubt in my mind, he will work his way up. But it's Chase Sternberger. As far as guy, I mean, his career is done. Third round pick, pick 75. Um, the average AV for that pick is a 20.2. And he got a, an AV of one. So yeah, it was a horrific pick. But again, Sean Ryan is on track to be... Uh, actually, no, he, he's... Well, if he doesn't play, he's at a zero, which is worse. He was picked later than Jay Sternberger. But, um, yeah, it's not, it's not Jordan Love. It's not uh, um, whoever else you might think it is. We got other... Dexter Williams was another one. He was a six-round pick, but he had a, a value of... Uh, says a, Was it a zero? Yeah, I know he played a little bit. I don't know. Uh, Simon Stepniak, Kylan Hill, Rasheed Walker, Jonathan Ford, Sean Ryan, all at zero so far. Other really low values... Um, Shamar Jean Charles is actually quite low. After that is Jordan Love, because he was a first-round pick. Then Josiah DeGuara, Cole Van Landen, and then Amari Rogers, who's actually a little bit higher, which is surprising. Um, best picks, again, John Runyon, number one. Already, already, number two, best pick, Samori Ture, because that pick is so unbelievably useless. Um, there is a... <laughs> The expected AV is 0.6. He's at a 1, so he's 150% better than people at that pick generally. Um, after that is Elton Jenkins, who has already surpassed the 100%, um, which is shocking, but it's a thing. Then Kingsley Kiki, defensive tackle. Again, surprising, but uh, you got to remember he was, where was he? He was a fifth-round pick, so he's already above 100%. So again, these are picks. Oh, Kingsley Kiki was a terrible pick. No, it wasn't. In his very limited time, he surpassed the average output of a person in that pick. We set too high of expectations is the problem. Royce Newman is the next pick after that. Another guy that would be seen as a bust pick. He's at 84% of the AV expectations. So we will see. Very optimistic about a lot of these. uh, I mean, Romeo Dobbs is actually uh, quite high on the list also already. So he's going to be a really good one, I think, for the team. Rashawn Gary is actually quite low because he was a 12th overall pick and because basically he had two redshirt years and then an injured year, which is kind of BS. So in four years, the guys had one full-time starting dominant player type of year. But hopefully, if he can get back at healthy and get going, there's no question he can fly way up to the top. Uh, Zach Tom definitely has a lot of potential. Quay Walker, uh, Eric Stokes obviously was injured, Christian Watson, a lot of these guys are guys, and Jordan Love, obviously, can very easily go, especially as a quarterback, the amount of value you can get. Um, if he plays, he will be another quality pick. I mean, the the AV, the expectation for that is 23. He's already at three. He hasn't done anything yet. Again, we look at, we the expectation we have for Jordan Love is like AV, I want it to be like 150. Like he needs to be Aaron Rodgers or this was stupid. What is the value he's brought to the team? So far, nothing, but it's not going to take much. If he plays and is a starter, it was gonna end, it's going to end up being a quality pick. Better than most picks from that slot at pick 26. So again, as of right now, four-year recap, he, uh, the Green Bay Packers, the way I did it, he ranks ninth. And I'm optimistic about the upside based on this draft class and how many other guys. I mean, 
A.J. Dillon is going to continue to go up, right? I don't know about Savage. We'll see. Uh, Josh Myers continues to play. He's going to, his value is going to continue to go up. Uh, the other way that I did this as far as the draft, and I, I, the process was similar, but somehow came up with a very different outcome. Um, again, it was just looking at inherited. How much value did you get? And then how much of that have you, you know, as, as a ratio of that? Um, the Packers came up 18th. So again, you, you tweak the method, things change quite a bit. Either way, the, the top teams stay at the top. You got Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, Kansas City, Tampa. Um, and then it kind of diverges from there. So it's probably not the most exciting news for anybody because, you know, the people who say he's a horrific drafter are flat wrong. I mean, the, the absolute worst I can get it is down to 18th. The highest I can get it up is up, up to 9th. So he's not bottom 10, maybe top 10, but... Um, Again, I personally have a lot of optimism about this draft class or the, the last year's draft class, and we'll get a chance to see what we do here. Maybe this is going to be the new formula. Um, again, they seem to be drafting a little bit different. Maybe it was because it was sort of an all-in strategy. They wanted to get these guys that were sort of, rather than long-term projects, get these guys that are ready today, you know, high-end athletes that can go out and perform. I don't know, but whatever they did, I like it. So, Anyways, again, not an exact science. If you want to go try to run some numbers yourself and see what you come up with, that's entirely up to you. Um, I did not do this with the intention of I want to make sure I find a process where the Packers are on top. I came up with the formula. I ran it. Ninth is what it was. And then I did it. I thought I had cumulative somewhere here, but I cannot find it. But either way, obviously, the Packers would not be super high on cumulative because they generally don't pick very high aside from like Rashawn Gary. But I think the other one I had, whatever it was, he was like 15th-ish. Something like that. Maybe that was the cumulative one. I don't know. But two of them were top half. One of them was top 10. So that's what I got for you. Anyways, that's all I got. I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have yourselves a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.